Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. It's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric. And the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. Hi, welcome to Fat Mascara. It's Jen. And no, you did not read the description wrong. This Wednesday episode of the pod is indeed a big, juicy interview with a beauty expert. We actually had a little scheduling mishap with a guest co-host. So I decided to go super deep into my science corner and devote this whole special episode to the sexy, sexy topic of rosacea. Honestly, somehow I seem to have become 
the Fat Mascara Fam's poster child for this skin condition. Whenever I mention rosacea on the show, because I have it like many of you, you all DM me with so many questions. I try to get back to you and respond, but despite my geeky tendencies, as you know, I am not a doctor. So I brought in one of the best, Dr. Esty Williams. Dr. Williams actually first came to my attention via friend of the pod, Val Monroe. She was our guest on episode 299, and she's a beauty journalist and the author of the very entertaining and informative substack, How Not to F Up Your Face. So anyway, she turned me on to Dr. Williams, who is a board-certified dermatologist who practices in New York City. She's also an assistant clinical professor of dermatology at Mount Sinai. And like I said, she's here to answer all of your questions about rosacea and obviously some of mine too. Hi, Dr. Williams. Welcome. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm so happy to be here with you, Jen. Thank you for inviting me. So, okay, we're going to talk rosacea. I've warned everybody. Before we get into that, tell me about yourself. Where do you practice medicine? Why do you specialize in dermatology? Who are you? So, Esty Williams, I'm a dermatologist and I practice on the Upper East Side in Manhattan, greatest city in the world. Come and visit. I'm a mom of four. Yeah, I'm, you know, born and bred New Yorker. You know, I really enjoy dermatology because of the long patient relationships that I develop over time. And I'm excited to be talking with you about rosacea today, which is, you know, actually one of my pet projects that I, you know, I'm obsessed with rosacea. I love talking about it. It's a fascinating condition. Amazing. It's interesting that you say rosacea is a pet project and you love the long relationship with a patient because I feel like this is one of those conditions that needs a long relationship with a doctor sometimes to fix. So I can see where that connection comes in. Let's talk about it though. Rosacea is this term that gets thrown around a lot. A lot of people think they have it. Can we get a working definition? What is it exactly? Absolutely. Rosacea is a chronic facial skin condition that commonly affects adults in their 30s to 50s, men slightly less than women, and light skin slightly more than dark skin. It's essentially a condition marked by redness. So there's different shades of red. I like to say that there's 50 shades of red when it comes to rosacea. And there's a spectrum, but, you know, the hallmark features are redness and sensitivity. You know, obviously there's so many different things that can cause the skin to be red. So it really is a lot of detective work, just establishing that you're dealing with rosacea and not something else. So let's get into that. I had so many listeners ask this question. By the way, I, I, I asked them on Instagram and our Facebook group, so we have a lot of listener involvement here. Natalie, Veronica, Sarah, lots of others. They wanted to know, do you need a doctor to diagnose it? Or is that something you can figure out on your own? And how do you as a doctor diagnose it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, especially because this is a chronic condition, you really want to make sure that you have the right diagnosis. Because if you're using the wrong medicines, you know, you could be going down the wrong path for years. And, you know, whereas if you see a dermatologist and have the proper diagnosis within a month or two, you can have, you know, dramatic clearance of the rosacea. So it's possible for, you know, a lay person or, you know, someone who's not a board certified dermatologist, maybe an internist or a pediatrician, you know, it is possible for them to diagnose rosacea in certain instances because essentially it is a clinical diagnosis. There's no blood test that's required. There's no official 
you know, biopsy that's required. You know, it's a matter of putting together the whole story. But I do highly recommend seeing a dermatologist because if for whatever reason you're, you know, you think you have rosacea, but it's really acne, the treatments could be polar opposites. And so you could end up losing a lot of time and also causing a lot of aggravation because you don't have the right diagnosis. Totally. So when someone walks in, what what do you do? What are the questions you ask? You put on your little loop and look at their redness. How do you decide (laughs) this is rosacea? You know, great question. You know, rosacea is more of a diagnosis that you can make from the door. You don't even really need to look close up, you know, in many cases. So the first thing is that there's redness, right? So red is a color that most people can see, and it's usually pretty obvious. You have to combine that with the history, though, right? Mm -hmm. So if a person's reporting that they have oily skin, they never have sensitivities, they're able to kind of stroll through Sephora, pick up random stuff, put it all on their face. They're cool with experimenting. They never have sensitivity to products and things like that. You know, that tells you, "Mm, I'm not sure that that's rosacea because like I said before, sensitivity is one of the hallmark features. You know, you can see red and if you don't ask the patient if they were recently on a trip and they're sunburned, you know, you could, you may think that that's rosacea, but it's really just, you know, an acute sunburn. So, the history is really critical. Mm-hmm. So there's the appearance, the history, and then the la- lastly, we want to rule out other things. So for example, patient may have had a recent chemical peel that caused them to be very red and they're in the healing phase. Well, if they've never been red before and they're red now, even though they may have sensitive skin, that's not rosacea. You know, that's a reaction to a procedure that was done. So On the one hand, you know, when I walk through the door, I I have a very good sense right away of this may be a rosacea patient, but at the same time, I must speak with the patient and ask them a whole series of questions, you know, and get their experience before I could be confident with that diagnosis. Yeah. And as our listeners, but also people in general, try more products with more ingredients, lots of actives, they might get redness from a product. How do you know that's not, you said a sunburn, you said a chemical peel, but how do you know it's not just like, oh, a sensitivity or allergy to some ingredient in a new serum they tried? Exactly. And that's part of the interview as well for the patient to tell us exactly what their skin regimen is, exactly what they're putting on their face, Everything from facial wipes to cleanser, shampoo, and certainly makeup, anything that comes into contact with the face could trigger redness. And so asking them what their regimen is and if they've tried anything, you know, sometimes you get a sample of something and you forget Mm -hmm. it's actually in your regimen, but you got this little thing at, you know, the Nordstrom counter and you put it on, that can certainly trigger a reaction. So contact exposures but those aren't rosacea. That's something else. Those are not rosacea. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, in that case, we call it contact dermatitis. It's a reaction to a product that came into contact with your skin. You know, if, if the patient, you know, if we check that off, then we rule out rosacea, then it is not rosacea. Got it. So say you've ruled out all those other things, you know, you're working with a patient that has rosacea. What is the underlying cause? What's the latest thinking on why this person has this condition? Rosacea is thought to be an inflammatory disorder and inflammation causes redness, you know, quite simply. 
we're learning more and more about rosacea. It is an area of interest. You know, there are people who study rosacea in the lab, but you know, the common thinking is that rosacea is an inflammatory skin condition. Is this genetics? Is it like my microbiome's messed up? I got weird little yeasties on my skin. Like what causes that inflammatory condition? You know, to be more specific, when your microbiome is off, you can influence the the composition of the bacteria or the yeast or the fungus or, you know, any living thing on your skin. When there is a dysbiosis or an imbalance in what the normal ratios should be of all these little bugs, you can get skin issues. You can That can be a, a setup for eczema. That could be a setup for rosacea. That could be a setup for acne. You know, the microbiome in general, you know, when it's off, it doesn't necessarily directly lead to rosacea. But depending on how it's imbalanced, it can cause different skin conditions. You know, in particular with rosacea, it's thought that there's a higher count of demodex, which is actually a mite. This is a mite that's common in many people's skin who don't have rosacea, but for whatever reason, the counts are either higher in rosacea skin or the patient's skin is more sensitive to, to this mite. But that's not considered, you know, the universal cause of rosacea. It's considered kind of like an association. So they've they've discovered that rosacea oh, patients. Oh, we love have correlation, not causation on fat mascara. Get Ex- into it. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it's, you know, as with many things in medicine, we know that it's associated with this, it's correlated with that. We don't always know what the like big bang, the initial reaction, the initial, the root cause, so to speak, of this condition. And certainly when it comes to genetics, as you asked, there is a genetic component, and we know that people with rosacea have a higher chance of having a family member with rosacea. So there, you know, it's definitely running in families and also in ethnicities and in certain skin types and backgrounds. But as far as like the root cause, as with many things in medicine, you know, we don't know what that initial cause is. And of course, if you have redness, you're like, yes, if you found the root cause and we could heal it, whatever, you just want to be less red. So before we get into how to do that, can I ask you that redness? You said it's from inflammation, but people also look at their skin and they're like, I can see my blood through my skin or vascularity or that kind of thing. Like, what is the redness? Is it more blood in the skin? What's going on physiologically? Physiologically, a rosacea patient who has rosy skin or periods of flush skin, you know, that comes and Mm -hmm. goes. Both those types of redness represent vasodilation. That means that the blood vessels in the face are more open, more blood is, you know, reaching the surface of the skin. And so the skin looks red. Okay. And that's what it is. Is that different than like, if you're having a rosacea flare up, would that be different from the redness you get if like, say you were embarrassed or you were hot or physiologically it's the same kind of thing? So the the flushing of rosacea is exactly the same as the redness when you're embarrassed or hot or working out. It's Mm -hmm. increased blood flow to the face. So that's the flushing. The persistent erythema, which is the redness that's always there. This isn't the periodic flushing that comes and goes. This is the redness that's always there. You know, that is different. That is, you know, also more blood vessels, more actual blood vessels are in the skin. And so sometimes when you look close up, you can actually see the outline of these blood vessels, like little squiggly lines. Oh yeah. 
That's very I different. I say that because from... I have them everywhere <laughs> around my nostrils. What's that T word? Is that the telegna? What are they yeah, called? those are telangiectasias. Uh, they're yes, tiny little you. blood vessels, little squiggly ones. When you have those, that causes redness that's there all the time. Flushing is redness that comes and goes. Two types of redness. Both of them can be seen in rosacea. Lucky rosacea. And those are, it's important to know the, di- the distinction of that redness. Is it always there? Does it come and go? And that helps you treat it, I imagine. That helps me treat it because, for example, if you're coming in for a laser, right, the laser only sees what's there, right? So if your issue is sometimes you get flush and you're coming to see me today and you're clear, the laser doesn't see redness. So you wouldn't treat flushing with a laser. You would treat the type of redness that's always there, the telangiectasias. The laser sees them the same way I see them and you see them. They're there all the time. That's the kind of redness that can be improved with a laser. Whereas flushing, we think more of a medical therapy. I got it. And we will, I want to talk about lasers because we had some specific questions about that. But first, we didn't mention triggers. And I know I feel like this is, you always have to with the discussion of rosacea. And a lot of them are like we've heard for years. Can you just go through things that like might cause that, what we call like a rosacea flare up? Like what can trigger one of those? I love answering this question because there's probably a hundred different triggers, but the most common ones. So in 80% of patients, the sun and stress, the two S's, those Mm -hmm. are the main triggers. You know, after that, foods, beverages, spices, wind, so weather changes, chemical products, acids, retinol, you know, things that we talked about can um, both masquerade as rosacea, but also trigger rosacea if you already have rosacea. And, you know, many, many other things. For, for some patients, wine is their main trigger. And for others, well, they'll get, smoking. So with, when these triggers happen, somebody who has rosacea will get flushing. But like even people who don't have rosacea might flush from drinking a glass of wine or going in the sun. Is it that the rosacea patient then that is extended, that redness just sticks around? Exactly. That's not just a flushing. It's usually triggering a flare. So in those patients, these triggers actually initiate a flare of rosacea, which can persist for days. Got it. So it's not just like, if you just get red for a couple minutes, don't assume you have rosacea. Exactly. The rosacea flare is not just flushing. It's flushing. The the skin feels painful. It doesn't go away. It's there the next day. It's, It's like flushing to an extreme. Okay. You also mentioned ingredients and products. And we had uh, a couple listeners ask specifically about ingredients that are really popular right now. Rebecca asked about retinol and Laura asked about vitamin C. Are either of those ingredients that could trigger a rosacea flare-up? You know, by definition, retinol is, you know, it's an exfoliator. It helps with skin remodeling. And the main side effect of retinol is skin dryness and irritation. So- Mm. Absolutely, it can both trigger rosacea and also kind of masquerade as rosacea. For example, you've started a retinol and now your skin is chronically pink and dry. That's what rosacea may look like. But as you said before, Jen, that's actually just a chemical, you know, a sensitivity to a product. I'm always cautioning patients who want to use retinol when they have rosacea that mm-hmm. there's a risk it could make the rosacea worse that it can cause a rosacea flare, or that they may just take longer to acclimate to the retinol than someone else. So just 
expect irritation for a couple of weeks as your skin gets used to it. There are some patients at the end that are like, oh, I was fine with this. You know, this retinol yeah. product works for me. It's an it's it's retinol in an oil formula or, you know, there's some new prescription tretinoins that are mixed with hyaluronic acid that are gentler than the traditional, you know, retin-A and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we can pick one that's better for you if you have rosacea, but yes, like proceed with caution. It's funny you mention HA. I have a personal question here and every derm thinks I'm crazy. I swear hyaluronic acid is my trigger for, I, I've been diagnosed with rosacea, whatever. If I use a new product and then I'm like, why am I getting red and dry? And I'm getting a flare up on my cheeks and nose that just sticks around without fail. I turn over the label and I'm like, damn it, it had hyaluronic acid. I was able to like go down single variable. I've tested a bunch of things. Is there any research that shows that HA can trigger the inflammation that sort of fires up a rosacea flare-up? I'll be honest, I this is my first time hearing that, but oh, I, I absolutely believe you because like <laughs> I said, with rosacea, there's like no cookie cutter approach. Yeah. You know, I've had patients who who in whom the rosacea medications, you know, that we prescribe, they felt triggered a flare. So if yeah. you know you want to really turn things on their head, you know, yeah, that's a great example. Aren't we all exactly. individual and unique? And so that I imagine for Laura, who asked about vitamin C, same idea. If for you that tends to be a problem, avoid it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, specifically with vitamin C, I think a lot of that depends on the formulation. You know, vitamin C is a very broad category of product. There are actually many different um, molecular structures and forms of vitamin C that can be in a product. Plus, you have all the other ingredients you know, like a product can have 30 ingredients in it. And so, you know, if you try a vitamin C and you have an issue, it may be the vitamin C, it may be, you know, fragrance, it may be, you know, something listed further down that you wouldn't have even thought of. But in general, vitamin C is not considered a trigger. Neither is hyaluronic acid. Okay. But retinol could be. You mentioned fragrance. Specifically, one of our listeners asked, can fragrance cause rosacea flare-ups? Can it? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, yes. Is there a specific type, like synthetic fragrances or essential oils or all of the above? (laughs) All all of the above. Yeah, all of the above. You know, yeah, you know, and not just that, it's very hard to distinguish the source of fragrance looking at an ingredient list. You know, it doesn't usually get that particular. So I would say all of the above. Like the absolute no-nos are alcohol as an ingredient, fragrance as an ingredient, glycolic and salicylic acid, like in so many skincare products, you know, red flag. And then like sodium lauryl sulfate SLS, which is more in shampoos, that, that's an ingredient that can also. But this is very variable. There are some patients who have no problem with glycolic acid. And, you know, it even surprises me when I see that. I'm like, you have rosacea and you're using acid. Like, no, I'm fine. A lot of this is trial and error and just, you know, knowing your own skin. So can you have rosacea and not have sensitive skin? like that person who was okay with glycolic, or do they always kind of go hand in hand? Right. So that's a great point. I th- sensitivity or rather hypersensitivity is a key cardinal feature of rosacea. In medicine, there's no absolute. So is it possible to have someone with rosacea that doesn't have sensitive skin? I'm sure. But in general, very unlikely. 
Yeah. You know, and what's interesting also, some people don't know that they have sensitive skin because they don't use any skincare products. Like you'd be surprised how many people just use warm water, you know, and like Cetaphil cleanser. That's the extent of their topical exposures. They don't wear makeup. You know, they don't use like five-step regimens. They wouldn't necessarily know that they have sensitive skin. They don't Right, because that sensitivity is usually when you're messing around with ingredients or, yeah. Right. Got it. Right. So we touched on diet briefly. You said some foods can call flare-ups, but other than like, you know, the spicy food that would cause flushing that might lead to a flare-up, is there any thinking on changing your diet helping with rosacea? That's a fantastic question. We get that with all skin conditions, right? Like well, of is, course. is the acne from our food? Is the eczema from the milk? It's, it's the psoriasis because I, you know, I don't know, eat too many hamburgers. Absolutely, Yes. But again, correlation and causation. I tell patients like this, everyone's different. Yes, there are some foods that are more pro-inflammatory like meat and dairy. I will not tell you that you need to avoid meat and dairy because you have rosacea because there's not enough evidence that it's a direct cause. But if you eat a lot of meat and dairy, you know, then why don't you take a week, eliminate it and see if your rosacea gets better. So yes, all the, you know, there's a list of the National Rosacea Society has a list of all the the foods and beverages and spices and things like that, that have been reported to be triggers. So I always hand it to patients and I have them look and I'm like, if there's something on here that you eat a lot of, it may be worthwhile to eliminate it for a week and see how you do. But I never tell anyone that they absolutely, as part of their regimen, need to avoid all those things. Yeah, we hear about the pro-inflammatory diet and the anti-inflammatory diet and sugar can cause inflammation. And if this is a disorder that has to do with inflammation, what you're saying is like trial and error, see if that could help you. Right. Uh, Yeah. And a little bit, right, exactly. A little bit more than that. When it comes to sugar and dairy, I mentioned kind of, do you, do you think that you consume more dairy than average or, you know, do you have a lot of sugar in your diet? If they, if the person's like, no, I'm very clean. I rarely eat sugar, then I don't think that's a trigger for them. But if someone's diet is consisting of a lot of dairy, every meal has, you know, milk or cheese or yogurt, and they have rosacea, I tell them, I would like you to to do a trial and eliminate dairy for a week or two and and see if that has any impact on it. You know, but something you eat once in a while, if you eat avocado once a month and you have rosacea pretty active... That's not what's causing it. It's something Is that, that on you're the trigger having list? more regularly. Yes. Yeah. Avocado? Yeah. I feel like it's like the most yes. benign. So, yeah, even healthy things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah citrus things. Citrus, so, I could it, The see, list is too I long. Guess. All right. We'll go look at that list. I'll link to it in the show notes. People were asking, I want to know too, does rosacea change or evolve as you get older? You said it starts to tends to present starting in the 30s, but you said to the 50s. What's that mean? What's going on in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s? The fact that rosacea is seen more in women and specifically 30s, 40s, and 50s does really tell us that there's a hormonal component to it. It does more or less burn out after a person hits menopause. But again, I have some rosacea patients in their 60s. And so, again, no absolutes here. But generally speaking, as you get older, the rosacea kind of tends to quiet down or go away. That's so funny because we always pictured like the old guy with the red bumpy nose, like... And and he's old, like in his 80s or whatever. And it's a picture of like in a textbook of like somebody with rosacea. 
What? Why is that? Is that old? Well, that didn't start in his eighties. So, you know, yeah, that, that, that like rhinophyma, that's, that's a very, that's a subtype of rosacea. That's a rosacea where there's thickening of the skin. It's an actual structural change in the skin. So that kind won't go away because it's changed your skin. You're not got it. Okay. So that was years of rosacea caused that structural change. That's why you're still seeing it. Yes. Yes. So the rosacea, the redness aspect could come down, but you know, the texture of the nose has changed now. That won't be undone itself. Okay. I had a listener, Sam, and she said, can it be cured permanently? As you're saying, you're managing it. It might come down after your 50s or after you are done menstruating or whatever. But is there a quote unquote cure with like a laser or drug? There's no one and done cure for rosacea, but there is a very good chance that with the right approach, you can get to clear skin and you may need to continue those products, those treatments, those pills, whatever they are. So you, you know, by cure, if you mean clear, absolutely yes. If you mean doing something once and then being clear forever, very unlikely. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey Love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be Honey Love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honeylove's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honeylove products make you look good and feel good, whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence. Honeylove is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honeylove. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? 
They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's Joanna good. Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. That's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lattes in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just (laughs) going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. It's so funny. I'm guilty of this, even though derms tell me all the time. It's like we get our skin is fixed because we did the right thing with whatever ingredient or whatever product. So we stop using it. And then it like comes back. I'm like, we forget. Oh, yeah. You have to keep using the thing that kept your issue at bay, right? Exactly. It's, you know, it's so funny. Like I I get this all the time. It's like, how how long do I need to use this for? When a patient's deciding if they want to start the cream, they need to know like what the end point is. And I'm like, do you take vitamins? Yeah. When or how long will you be taking them for? Well, I just keep, you know, I take them for my health. So you, so you use this cream for your, for your skin too. Do you dye your hair? Do you do it once or you do it every couple of you know months? Well, yeah, I have to keep up with it. It's the same thing. Yeah. Let's talk about those creams. Cause I think people, when they, A, prescriptions are expensive. We had some questions about that. B, there's some thought of like, you know, you equate it with an antibiotic. I'm not supposed to be on those long, even though it's a different kind of medicine. Just people get wary. I get that of like being on a medicine for the rest of their life, you know? Right. I hear that with the with the pills. Absolutely. We want to try to take them off when we don't think that they're needed anymore. But the topicals are very safe. In fact, many of the rosacea topicals are category B for pregnancy you know, which, which just tells us that they're generally safe to be on even for a very long time. One of our listeners, well, let's ask, let's talk about those topicals. What are some of like in your toolkit, your prescriptions that you might use to help with rosacea? In terms of topicals, prescription topicals, there's the vasoconstrictors. These are 
quite simply products that shrink blood vessels temporarily. And there are this bromonidine, that's one of them, and oxymetazoline. Actually, these are the same ingredients in nasal decongestants like Afrin, which, which work again by shrinking the blood vessels so they lessen congestion in the nose. Same thing in the skin. So that's one category. And we, we would give those kinds of medicines to someone who has persistent redness. So they're always rosy. When they apply these creams in the morning for about eight to 10 hours, the blood vessels close and they look less red. And then after eight to 10 hours, when it's worn off, the redness comes right back. Oh, so this is what somebody said. I get a flare up after I stop using it. That's, are you saying that's not a flare up? What's happening is you're undilated, your, your vasodilation stopped? When the vasodilation stops, typically, uh, you know, for at least more than 95% of patients, you go back to how you were. You go back to the level of redness. So it's not that you actually worse. You just might feel like it looks worse because you haven't had it for a while. Yes, I know. But in, uh, in roughly 3%, it's been reported, they can experience a rebounding, which means a worsening of the redness where they're actually worse than they were before. They call that like a rebound erythema. So that is definitely a side effect. But again, okay. it's, I think it's roughly like three in 100 patients. So, but, you know, 3% is high enough and a rebound is, you know, upsetting enough that I always try to give a sample first. And I'll tell the patient, put this little topical vasoconstrictor on, on a day when you're not going anywhere and you have nothing at night, you don't have like dinner plans and just put it on in the morning, let's say 9am and, and take selfies or look in the mirror every hour and see how you respond to this cream. And then see what happens at the end of the day when it wears off. And, you know, I've had a couple of patients report that when it wears off, they feel that the redness comes on in such a way that they're worse than they were beforehand. But again, rare. Okay, very rare. So you told us about those types of drugs, the topical drugs. What's the other group? It's not the vasoconstrictors, it's... One is actually a cream that kills mites. So it's a, technically an anti-parasitic, that's ivermectin cream. And then there's a category, I would say, like kind of anti-inflammatory creams. To be honest, that's kind of like, kind of like code speak for, we don't really know how they work, <laughs> but we, per, we presume it's like by reducing inflammation in the skin. So those are the general kind of categories. Okay, let's say I've gotten a rosacea diagnosis from my doctor, but I just like can't afford to or don't want to be going to see them every month to check up on it. Are there over-the-counter ingredients that can help with rosacea, non-prescription topicals? There are over-the-counter ingredients that are helpful in rosacea. So for example, a sunscreen can prevent you from getting the sun exposure that may cause a trigger of rosacea but it's not a treatment for rosacea. There are moisturizers that can be very beneficial. For example, let's say you're using the wrong, you have rosacea, you're using the wrong product. We can change your topical regimen of your over-the-counter products, like your face wash, moisturizer, sunscreen, and make a noticeable improvement because you weren't using the right products to begin with. But no, those are not a treatment for rosacea. Like all these calming ingredients we hear about, like oats and, you know, I don't know what else. Right. That's not like going to do it. Topical green tea, topical vitamin B, all of these things. Yeah, I suppose if you have like very mild rosacea, you know, maybe switching up a product, you may notice, hey, 
you know, I'm much better to the point that I don't need medicine. I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. But if you have actual bumps of rosacea, so the, you know, those pimples and you have flares that are severe and you're almost always kind of red or rosy, you know, that moderate to, be, to severe rosacea really does require more than just over-the-counter products. Got it. One of our listeners, Ashley, asked about azelaic acid. What is azelaic acid? Does that help? Yeah, azelaic acid is a topical, you know, it's a topical ingredient and it's in that third category that I mentioned. It's working by reducing the amount of inflammation in the skin. By prescri- it goes, there's a brand called Phenacea, which you may have, I don't know if you've tried it. Is, that a, dr- things, is that a drug or an over-the-counter? It, it's a foam or gel prescription topical. Okay, so it's a prescription azelaic acid. Exactly. There are azelaic acids that you could find in Sephora, you know, like over-the-counter mm-hmm. forms. Ordinary, for example, makes one and there are other brands. But as far as knowing the exact dose and the percentage, it's not as accurate. And even if it's listed as a number, let's say it says 10%, the way that they're defining the concentration is not the same as if it were azelaic acid 10% by prescription. So in general, the amount that you'll get in a prescription is it's stronger. Okay. And it can help. Like you said, it's one of those tools that you use. Yeah. It's, it's actually a great topical. I like that one. It's category B. So if the patient's pregnant and they have rosacea, azelaic acid is one of the ingredients that we can use. So yeah, absolutely. It's a great ingredient. It has other benefits to the skin, such as reducing pigmentation. If that's a separate issue for the person, you know, for example, if they have melasma, which is, um, you know, like a brownish change, changes in the skin, usually from hormones or sun, azelaic acid has a good benefit to that too. So, you know, if we see someone has rosacea plus, you know, pigmentary issue, azelaic acid is an excellent choice. What about non-prescription topicals like lasers? You had mentioned lasers. Are there other in-office treatments that can help? And what are the lasers actually doing? What kind of lasers are we talking about? So lasers work by targeting a color. So lasers, you know, you know, very complicated in physics, but basically you take a light and the light, the beam of the light is such that it has a certain wavelength and, you know, it's, it's concentrated in such a way that it's specifically targeting a color in the skin. In this case, it's red. And the redness, so to speak, absorbs, absorbs the light of the laser and it heats it up. It, it can heat it up to the point that it causes the blood vessels to go away or to shrink down. So lasers are using light to target something in the skin that has a color and then for lack of a better word, destroy it. <laughs> so, and then you have IPL, which is intense pulse light. Some people call that a photofacial. It's very common, you know, photofacials, sometimes you'll even see them in spas, not even in doctor's offices. And those aren't lasers. They're not quite as strong, but photofacial IPL can be extremely beneficial for rosacea as well. And in fact, for most cases of mild rosacea, for, and for other reasons, I would pick an IPL over a laser. But in general, those are in the same category. Are those your whole face or you're targeting like a little redness area, like one of those blood vessels that's always pumped up? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So when we're doing these procedures during the actual treatment, I can change the setting to target different things. So for example, right now we're in the middle of the cheek. The redness looks like it's, you know, faint rosy color. I don't see any outlines of blood vessels. I plug in, you know, these settings. Now we've done that and I'm moving to your nose and I see little squiggly ones in the corners. I need to change the crystal, which is the part that touches your skin. I want something small and I want to trace them and I'm going to change the setting. So during this treatment, which looks like it's just something, you know, oh, the, you know, the, the person just needs to turn it on and shine it on my face. We're actually changing the numbers. We're changing the energy level of the, of the device. We're changing how fast it fires that amount of energy. We're changing the, the rest time between the firing. We're changing the size of the beam of the light, which affects how deep it goes in your skin. So there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just like, you know, turn it on and shine it. And I, I just want to bring that up because it is quite common to hear from patients, oh, I tried laser and it didn't work. Or, you know, or I tried an IPL and it didn't work. You know, so now I'm here to do something else. And that, that means nothing to me. First of all, I don't know which laser you did. I don't know which IPL you used. I don't know what settings, you know, and within the settings, like I said, there's five or six, sometimes seven parameters that need to be, you know, punched in. And if the numbers aren't right, the treatment won't work. Doesn't mean laser didn't work for you. It just means that, you know, maybe it needed to be done in a different way. Yeah. If you get someone who knows what they're doing with the laser, they've set the settings perfectly, they've treated you, will you see an immediate difference? During the treatment, we look for a certain endpoint, and that's like a temporary spasming of the blood vessels where it seems like it's kind of going away. Sometimes it fills back up, but that's okay. Or, or when you're tracing those little squiggly ones, you can actually see them sometimes turn purple. That means that there's a blood clot forming on the spot. So the doctor, the, you know, the practitioner knows that they're using the right setting. That's kind of, we call that like the outcome. So we're not just firing with our eyes closed. We're looking for reactions in the skin that predict a great response. Now, it takes three to four weeks to see the actual result. So a patient okay. comes back and then you see. You know, typically I say we expect 30% less redness after three to four weeks. So you may need to From do From one it treatment again. with the right laser. Exactly. So, you know, you may need to do more than one if you're trying to get the maximum benefit. Right. Are these very expensive treatments? Because, yeah, like you said, some spas have IPLs. Those will be like, I'll give you a laser facial, quote unquote, that's just like firing off some light in general, and they'll charge $100, $200. What is a doctor's targeted rosacea laser treatment? going to cost? I know it depends on where you live and everything. Yeah, exactly. That's probably the biggest factor, like geographically where you are as with anything in cosmetics, you know, and also who's doing it. Let's assume I'm going to the very best doctor in New York City or LA at the most expensive possible treatment. What have you heard for like a laser treatment for rosacea? For full face, I would say around 450 to 500 is probably the average for a full face treatment. That's the average. Okay. I was exactly. asking the most expensive, but yeah. average is much more helpful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the most, I mean, I've heard crazy things. So I don't know, $10,000. <laughs> um, no, I, hey, it's probably here in New York City if that's what some doctor is charging. <laughs> but so you could go to the dermatologist and potentially if the, is it, do you try the 
topical prescriptions first. And if they're not helping you do the laser, or sometimes you do these things in conjunction. I have to ask the patient with many of these skin conditions, but especially acne and especially rosacea, how aggressive do you want to be and how quickly do you want to be clear? If you have a wedding in three months and you know, you're kind of like at your wit's end and you want to be very clear, I'm not going to give you one thing at a time and then have you come back. It'll take, you know, it could take like a very long time to achieve clearance. If a patient says, yes, I want everything, I want to be clear, you know, and they're the right candidate, they would get an oral, a topical, a skincare regimen and a laser, everything. If they yeah. want to be like super scientific, you know, I only want to do one thing at a time. So I actually know the effect of it. You know, we have patients that are like that. They're, they, I call them like the scientists. They only do one thing at a time because they're documenting in their records. You know, yeah. I now know that my benefit was strictly this much and it was specifically from the laser because I did yeah. not try any creams. I did not take any pills. You know, and usually those patients are, number one, they're not in a rush to get clear. They're usually less aggravated and frustrated. They're more, you know, you know and, and also, you know, for whatever reason, they want to know the impact of each thing by itself you know, commonly because they don't want to necessarily be on medications. So they want to measure, you know, what does the laser do just by itself? Yeah. Okay. We're near, we're nearing the end here. I got some very specific questions. So bear with me on these. First of all, poor Vero. This is a whole other podcast. I'm just going to ask. She wants to know, why are the prescriptions so expensive? Yeah, well, let's talk about the American healthcare system. <laughs> I, I know. Listen, I totally hear you. And, you know, it's the doctors are definitely not profiting from this. It has nothing to do with that. I will say one helpful tip is that the cost of a prescription, especially in dermatology and creams, can vary tremendously based on which pharmacy the prescription is sent oh. to. Oftentimes, we need to use specialty pharmacies that have deals, so to speak, with the pharmaceutical company where they have to offer it at a certain price and they have to run a coupon. If you just send it to any random pharmacy, they may not have that coupon. They may not have that arrangement. And so, you know, it's $500. But if you go to a specialty pharmacy, it may be $75, you know, can never be more than that. There's a website called goodrx.com. And generally speaking, over there, you could see the ranges. So you could see, this is just an example, you put in the, the medicine and it'll say, you know, the price at Walgreens is this, the price at CVS is that. It could be triple. And, you know, the price, so, so like I said, the, the cost can vary. If you found that you had a cream and it was like super expensive, I would ask the doctor to, to make sure they send it to a specialty pharmacy. Or just check that website first and be like, please send it to this one because they're giving me the best deal. Exactly. Or you might find oh. coupons on the pharmaceutical company website. So, you know, you look at the, you see who makes the, the medicine, go to their website and there may be coupons for you to download. Okay. Would you get annoyed if a patient walked in and while you're prescribing it, they're like, hold on and they pull out their phone to check? Or is that helpful to you? That's something that's between the patient and the pharmacist. Oh, you're saying as far as like telling us where to send it to? Yeah, because you have to call in the prescription, right? Yeah. I'll be with your little with, systems. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, honestly, when you tell a patient that we're gonna send it to this pharmacy because it they have the cheapest price, they're usually like, fine. 
Oh, so you know, you'll know, oh, I should be, if this drug, I go to this pharmacy. You yes. already know that yes. stuff. We, okay. we have to keep track. Yes. And, the, you know, usually we know that because, again, there's there aren't like hundreds of medicines that we deal with. We have our common go-tos. So we've just right. established that this one, this drug must be sent there. Do this all one, doctors do that? You know, I... I think in dermatology, it's understood that if you just mm. send things to random places, you will get a lot of complaints about cost. But more than that, the pharmacy may require you to do paperwork, prior authorizations, you know, all kinds of paperwork that can really hold up the patient from getting their medicine. So it's really in these office interests to find out, like, where can we send this so the patient gets it quickly? without a lot of pushback. And is it because these are prescriptions that aren't quote unquote medically necessary? Like I could walk around not in pain with my rosacea flare up, you know what I mean? Whereas if I had a disease or a cold, I, you know, I pay $7 copay because it's like, I need that drug. But if I want to have like, I don't know, Rofade or something, that's why it costs so much. Or am I simplifying that way too much? The issue I think is more whether the product is you know, branded or not, if you're looking to specifically have azelaic acid in the brand Phenacia, right? And you want that brand. Yeah, exactly. Or you want Retin-A micro pump, you know, specifically like that, it can cost more. You know, on the other hand, there, we treat patients with uh, severe internal, you know, skin conditions that have, you know, internal manifestations, for example, psoriasis with arthritis, you know, and even in those cases where it's very clear that, you know, it's a very serious skin condition, you know, it's not cosmetic at all, we can get the same pushback and the cost can still be very, very high. So it, I don't think that it's because it's, you know, kind of written off like this is, you know, rosaceous cosmetic, let's make it very expensive. Yeah, well, because I remember for a hot second when I tried tretinoin, I had to, pe- I didn't need it for acne, you know, it was for anti-aging, so it co- cost more than it would be if I was presenting with acne, right? Right. I, I think in that case, there, maybe you don't have like the official diagnosis in your chart, you know, to Okay, to but understand. rosacea is an official diagnosis. Yes. Or if you had okay. acne in your chart and the, then the tretinoin maybe would be covered. Got it. Got it. Very complicated. I know. <laughs> oh, the last one. Initials PP for this listener is SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth related to rosacea. I'm going to end on a stumper. Oh, okay. So you know what? Maybe you know. I'm going to say that I I haven't researched this, but overwhelmingly I'm going to say yes. Because again, you know, rosacea is, you know, rosacea is, you know, more than just what's seen on the skin. We know with many things in rosacea that there's internal associations, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, maybe even diabetes. So anything that's going to, push the body to be more, you know, pro-inflammatory and have more inflammation is associated with rosacea. So, you know, certainly in this condition, yes. So I would expect absolutely. Oh, sorry, PP. Wow. We learned a whole lot at the end of every interview. I do like to have a little fun with our guests, get to know them better and do a speed round. So if you're up for (laughs) it, I did a special one rosacea related just for you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to call it, I'm gonna call it my, tri- my trigger speed round. I'm just going to ask you some questions about rosacea triggers. Okay. Dr. Williams, what's your favorite spicy food? Pass. 
Because we don't. <laughs> why are you passing? <laughs> I don't really eat so much spicy food. That's the truth. Okay. Got it. Next up, what do you find super embarrassing, either for yourself or like secondhand embarrassment? Forgetting someone's name. <gasps> oh, yeah. All right. What's your favorite exercise? Walking. Is that going to cause a rosacea flare? Is that going to probably not? <laughs> walking That's does good. not trigger walker, walking does not trigger rosacea. I wouldn't think so, but it is good exercise. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite thing to do in the sun? And don't say wear sunscreen. I know you're a derm. Of course, you're wearing sunscreen, but you're still outside in the sun. What do you want to be doing? As I said before, I love the city. I love New York. I love exploring, you know, different towns, learning about the old buildings, the history, the architecture. So I think my fa- if I'm outside, my favorite thing to do in the sun is you know, stroll and learn about the neighborhood I'm in and the rich history in my city. Good one. Okay. And last question, because alcohol can trigger rosacea. What's your favorite cocktail? Or if you don't drink, what's your favorite beverage? Absolutely sparkling water. Okay. So you don't drink alcohol. And <laughs> wow, you plus, if you had rosacea, you would never have a flare up. You're walking <laughs> calmly in the cool right. weather with your seltzer, no spicy food learning about architecture, remembering everybody's name. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like when you ask people, do you have any allergies? They're like, well, but not that I know of. So, you know, I may have rosacea, not that I know of. I've been, you know, avoiding my triggers. You have an untriggering lifestyle. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) This was so informative. I know we're probably gonna get more questions. Maybe we'll do a follow-up someday, but thank you so much for coming on Fat Mascara. Yeah, my pleasure. It's really an honor to be here. And thank you for inviting me. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.